A man who lived in a UFO-shaped house goes missing. Did aliens take him? And then, it's quite tragic actually, but, and then we take a look at the story of Charles Morgan. A man seemingly normal by all outward appearances. But when he runs into his own home wearing broken handcuffs, telling his family that he's been kidnapped and tortured, it's only the beginning of a bizarre story today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you're having a great day too. It's 5.47 a.m. Just woke up a little bit ago, but my shuttle to take me to the airport leaves at 7.30. So I want to see how many of these episodes I can bang out, and that way I can have a little bit more of a restful stay while I'm hanging out with my family and friends in Sacramento. So we're going to bust out a couple of these. I think we'll be good. Now, the first story we're going to talk about is the story of a man named Granger Taylor. Now, I first came across this story because it was considered it was considered an alien abduction story. Here's two of the headlines of the articles we're going to be talking about. Alien abduction? Unsolved case of man who disappeared after building UFO reopened. Um, it's pretty evocative. Another headline. The man who went to space and disappeared. So this story's been going on for a while. This was kind of, it wasn't a super well-known common UFO abduction story, but it, I, I had heard of it a while back, quite a while back. Not necessarily when it happened, but I heard about it in the 90s. So it's not completely obscure. People were wondering about this. But let's go ahead and just get into the story here. Okay, so there was a man named Granger Taylor. We're in the year 1980. We haven't busted this out for a while. Let's take the Carpenter Copter so I got to check the oil. Let's get out. Now <laughs> yeah, there it goes. Get back in. Ah, pneumatic fuel. This might take a while. So while we we're gonna have to hire a maintenance crew to come out and fix the carpenter copter. But even though we're on a deadline and I gotta get a bunch of episodes done, we do get the carpenter copter finally flying. And we're flying from Hood River, Oregon, to Vancouver. Vancouver Island, British Columbia. Sometimes the city of Vancouver gets flooded in a circle, and Vancouver becomes Vancouver Island. Little known fact, I bet you didn't know that. Vancouver Island, British Columbia. We're flying overhead, and we can look down from the helicopter, and we see a UFO on the ground. We're like, awesome, dude, UFOs. Yeah, technically, it's not a UFO if it's landed, right? Then it's just a ULO, an unidentified landed object. But anyway, so... We land next to it. We find out it's not a UFO. It is a tree fort that an adult built, but no tree. It's just a fort then. It's a fort that an adult built in someone's backyard. I believe it was his parents' backyard, but it is shaped like a UFO. He built it himself. Now, Granger Taylor was considered a fairly gifted child when it came to things like engineering and design and things like that. He was kind of a do-it-yourselfer, and he built this big UFO-shaped house in the backyard. Again, he's an adult. But, you know, every adult has kind of odd hobbies. It's not not a big deal. I do think it's weird that he was living in it, but he just really, really, really liked UFOs. So he would tell people that he would tell people about alien abduction experiences, but he wanted to be abducted by aliens. He really liked the thought of being abducted by aliens. So 
that's the thing. Like, most people are scared of alien abductions. It would be the... And pe- you, people may go, well, you know, he just wants to be abducted. He wants to meet wants to meet some little great people. Little great people. But here's the thing. Really, it's... We say abduction. It's kidnapping. Now, if you knew someone who was like, you know what I really want? I really want to be abducted by, like, the Russian mob. You'd be like, what the hell are you talking about, dude? Like, it, you would think they either were, had a death wish or they had a fetish. But when people talk about they want to be be abducted by aliens, people are like, oh, yeah, you know, mysticism. You know, maybe you'll learn some stuff from the aliens. It's the same thing. You're basically being kidnapped and you probably won't come back. So he would talk about being abducted by aliens all the time. He really wanted it to happen. And then one day, he disappears. So I know I'm being a little flippant towards the story, and you might think it's disrespectful at the end, but there's a reason why. So Granger Taylor disappears. And nobody knows what happens to him. And the way it was always reported in UFO media was maybe he was abducted by aliens. Maybe the aliens were communicating with him and wanting him, and they knew he wanted to be abducted, and he disappeared. Hence the titles of the two articles that I chose, and most of the articles are have headlines like that. Now, he said, a friend of Granger said that aliens talk to him telepathically, and you're like, okay, you know, aliens are talking to him telepathically. He has this bond with them. Again, if I'm getting phone calls from the Russian mob every day and I'm telling my friends, oh my God, you won't believe who called me yesterday. It was Vladimir. He's going to kidnap me this week. You'd be really, really concerned. But the friend was like, yeah, he said he was talking to aliens telepathically. So at that point, you can say, well, you know, he's talking to aliens telepathically. I believe in UFOs. Maybe that's true. And then you could say, well, you know, he got abducted. He lived in a UFO-shaped house. He wanted to be abducted. He was talking to aliens telepathically. That could be true. This is where we start to get into the actual reality of things. Those things, aliens may or may not be true, but this is where we, this is where the rubber hits the road. And this is where, at any point, people are going, maybe he was abducted by aliens. I'm glad Yogi Bear is, is a guest star on this episode. Hey, boo-boo, he wanted to get abducted by some aliens, I guess. This is where every article should have been like, he probably didn't get abducted by aliens. One, his sister said, oh yeah, yeah, no, he talked about talking to aliens. He really wanted to get abducted. He also took acid every single day. And and not just every single day, a few times a day. So he's dropping huge amounts of acid. And that's when you go, oh, okay, then now the story's getting a little, a little bizarre. He also, when he magically disappeared and got abducted by the aliens... He left a goodbye note and two wills. So now, when I'm re- when I read the first article, I was like, mm, "It sounds more like a suicide." And you know, you could be like, "Ah, oh, that's that's insensitive. Maybe he really did get abducted by aliens, and he wanted to leave these notes." This was his note. It's kind of heartbreaking. Note: Dear mother and father, I have gone away to walk aboard an alien spaceship as reoccurring dreams assured a 42-month interstellar voyage to explore the vast universe. Then return. I am leaving behind all my possessions to you, as I will no longer require the use of any. Please use the instructions in my will as a guide to help. Love, Granger. So, again, if you're getting a note like that, and he's dropping acid all the time, a few times a day, you're going to be a little concerned. But people for years were like, ah, he just floated away. He just floated away. Now, like I said, I had heard this story, I think, in the 90s. And they left out a key detail. They left out a key detail. Because a lot of times that'll happen. You take the evidence you want. You're like, oh, I believe in aliens. Or, I mean, I believe in aliens. And I'm going to... Okay, I'm not going to do that voice anymore. 
I believe in aliens, and this guy said he was talking to aliens, and he disappeared. Case closed. There is another key development in this story. In 1986, they find his truck and a bunch of bones. But the truck was blown up, and his bones were all over the forest. He borrowed some dynamite from his parents and blew himself up. Now, there are people who say maybe the explosion was an accident because he actually knew how to handle dynamite, but that actually makes it less of an accident. So what it seems, and we'll cover the, this, is, this plays in another story we're going to cover. Very famous UFO encounter kind of has the same feeling. It kind of seems like he really wanted to be abducted by aliens. I think the, the, I think the good version of the story is he wanted to be abducted by aliens. He was driving on his way to the alien abduction point, and Dynamite accidentally went off, blowing up his car and himself. The bad version of this story is he was dropping so much acid and so delusional that the aliens may have said, you need to blow yourself up to join us. You need to straight heaven gates yourself. You need to, to ascend to the alien spaceship. You need to leave your body. So drive to the middle of nowhere and blow yourself up and your spirit will go into our spaceship or whatever nonsense. And he did it on purpose. But it's, it's weird because that's, that's the complete story. Like, you can't leave off the dynamite part. And even in articles where they mention it, it's kind of like, oh, well, they did find some bones in his car and a dynamite blast. But, but no, I mean, that's the end. It sounds like he got kind of in over his head with some delusional behavior. His friends didn't intercede. Weren't like, well, maybe you're not. You know, maybe if you think aliens are going to take you, maybe you should leave the dynamite at home. Because that's really where we see stuff like Heaven's Gate, where the cult, we're like, oh, there's UFO coming. But to join it, you got to drink this uh, poison. Sad story. And I know that's the thing. Like, it started off really flippant. But it's more... I think it's I'm being more flippant towards the way the story was handled and is still handled today. The headline should not be the man who went to space and disappeared or unsolved case of man who disappeared after building UFO reopened. He blew up. <laughs> That's the answer. And it was just kind of a, it was kind of dealt with like, oh, maybe maybe he did get abducted by aliens. No, he blew up. The end. So, we have to we have to you have to admit stories, like, even if they fit your narrative, you sometimes have to take them and discard them and go, well, that guy didn't get abducted by aliens. He got abducted by the combined force of dynamite and gravity. Sorry, Granger. And again, that might sound flippant, but we have to be realistic with this stuff because the subject is already so unrealistic. Anyway, and, and this is going to pop up a few more times of people who quote-unquote mysteriously vanished, and then we find out afterwards that it was most likely... They didn't get abducted by aliens. And one of them is a very famous alien abduction story, by the way. We'll get to that, though, in a future episode. So let's go ahead. And now I feel bad. <laughs> now I feel bad for making fun of that. Oh, you know what? Let's let's cleanse the palate real quick here. I'm going to do a very quick Dead Rabbit recommend. It's a, is this episode? This episode is coming out on Tuesday, but so this one's early. I normally do them on Wednesdays, but this is going to be real quick. Most of you guys know the franchise. I'd argue that all of you guys know the franchise, but not everyone knows about this part of the franchise. The Matrix Trilogy. I'm not going to recommend any movies from the Matrix Trilogy. The first one was great. The second two were eh. But that world was really rich in the beginning. I think they kind of ruined it with the last two movies. But 
There is a two-part, and it's on YouTube. It's totally available on YouTube. However, the quality is not that great. I would recommend trying to track this down if you can, a higher-res version of it, even getting a copy of it. It is something I watch quite often. I wouldn't say I watch it like every day or every month, but every so often I'll get a hankering to watch it. It's called The Second Renaissance, and it's a two. It's about 20 minutes altogether. It's two 10-minute cartoons about the rise of the machines. And it is one of the most visually compelling stories of a sci-fi apocalypse. It's one of the most visually compelling stories about the rise of AI and the fall of man. It is absolutely beautiful. Just calling it a cartoon is probably a disservice. It's more of an anime. It tells the story of how the robots went from simply being manual laborers to one of them being put on trial for murder to a robot uprising and how the humans deal with that. And it the first part is the rise of the machines. And the second part is the war between machines and man. It is amazing. It's amazing. I definitely recommend watching, taking 20 minutes out of your day. Even if you watch the low-res version. But taking 20 minutes out of your day to watch the second renaissance. It's just a great piece of sci-fi. And some of the imagery is so stark and depressing. It, it sticks with you. Like, there's certain images from the cartoon that you're like, oh, man, that like you think about it from time to time. I remember I had a friend over, Jonas. He came over one day. Me, Jonas, and Jacob were hanging out. And Jonas had never seen the second Renaissance. I was like, hey, you got 20 minutes? He's like, yeah, sure. And we watched it. And me and Jacob had seen it before. And we we're like, oh, yeah, it's totally awesome. Dude's a badass, dude. Watch this scene. Because it's really, really good. And Jonas was sitting there. And then after it was over, he just kind of goes. His response to watching it for the first time was, I go, what'd you think? And he goes, I got to think about this, man. Like, whoa. Like, that's a lot to digest. And it was funny because we were, like, just hanging out as buddies. And I show him this really depressing, in the end, really depressing anime. He goes, I I don't even know. Like, it was like I was showing him snuff videos on LiveLeak. Like, it really affected him. And then you think about it, you're like, yeah, it was a really cool sci-fi, but it's very, very grim. Very, very good. Dead Rabbit recommends The Second Renaissance. I'll have the YouTube links if you can find a high-res version. It's it's amazing. Okay, let's go ahead and move on to the next story. The next story is another story that's a mystery. This one is doesn't involve UFOs, but involves something far more devious. So the year is 1977, and now we're in Tucson, Arizona. Charles Morgan, it's a it's a beautiful morning day, which when all usual mornings are. Charles Morgan runs into his house. His family's sitting there, they're eating Cheerios. Wife, kids, they're all eating Cheerios together. Wife's reading the newspaper, pipe in her mouth. Charles Morgan runs into the house, handcuffs on his wrists and ankles. Broken, obviously. He's not like scooting into the house. Making these noises, but he can't talk. And his wife's like, what's going on? What's going on, Charles? Oh, uh, 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 uh. He then gets a pen and paper and he writes down, I can't talk because a hallucinogenic drug was put in my mouth. Now, I'm going to make an assumption here. He probably didn't spell hallucinogenic, right? They don't have spell check in 1977 and they don't have spell check when you use a pen and paper. But anyways... He starts writing vague because his wife's like, well, who took you? Who took you? And he would just write things like they, them. He was very vague about who he was kidnapped by. And he said that he got away. He also hinted that he was a government agent. And the wife is like, oh. and he's like, oh, I can't talk, right? 
Totally freaks out. Now, what's funny is that nowhere in the... Re- it's funny. This dude got kidnapped. But what's funny is nowhere in the rest of the article do they really state he regains the ability to talk. So I assume he did, because then he goes about his daily life later on. But you think, like, once he was able to talk, he would be able to explain it better. But the articles always leave that part out, which is, when did he learn the ability to talk again? But anyways, after the event, we'll assume that he can talk at some point. He's like at work. They're like, great, great idea, Charles. He's writing everything down. And you spilled hallucinogenic, right? You get a raise. He won't let his girls go anywhere alone. He's super, super paranoid. But life continues. Life continues. They go to a baseball game. His little girls are playing baseball. He's like, and they're like, and the crowd goes wild. Wait, no, there's just one guy. Two months later, he disappears again. He disappears again. And you think at that point, his wife's like, Charles. Oh, that wacky Charles. He's going to go get drunk again. That would have been my first thing. If somebody came in wearing handcuffs and were like, I can't talk, but this is what happened. I would assume they had something to hide. Because I don't know of any drugs that just make you not be able to talk. I'd be like, ah, he probably just doesn't want to like talk. So I, it sounded like a setup. It sounds like a setup, like a guy coming in and he's like, oh my god, I just got attacked by a bunch of whores at a whorehouse, but luckily I got away, wasn't there to have sex with them. Like, it sounds like that type of setup. But, two months later, he disappears again. In June 1977, so let's see, March, April, May, he disappears again. I should figure all this out before I start the episode. In June 1977, he's found dead. So... Obviously, wasn't LARPing the first time. He actually did get kidnapped by someone, got away, or they let him go. And then two months later, he goes missing again, and then he's found dead. He has a bullet in the back of his head embedded into his, like, in his mouth. So the bullet came through the back of the head, knocked a tooth out, and it's, like, sticking out of, the bullet sticking out of his mouth. He was found, he had a bulletproof vest and a knife. His gun... Was you? He had a gun with him too. He had an empty holster. His gun was used, apparently, to commit the crime. So you go suicide. Now people always go, "How do you shoot yourself twice in the back of the head?" It can happen. It can happen, depending on the type of gun. Sometimes that's always thing. Like that guy didn't kill himself, but you can shoot yourself in the back of the head, and sometimes through muscle reflex, you can shoot yourself twice. Pop pop. You get one bullet in the back of the head and the other bullet's farther back up in the skull, coming out the top, or through the back of the skull headed down because your hand's moving in one way or another due to the force. But it can happen. You can shoot yourself multiple times in the back of the head. But he was shot in the back of the head. Bullet lodged in his teeth. He was killed with his own gun. So, suicide. Right? He went into his house. He wove this tale of he's possibly a government agent. He then runs out of the house later. Or didn't run out of the house, but two months later, he goes missing again. He's found with a bullet in the back of the brain coming out of the back. His gun was used, so on and so forth. So you think maybe it's just a suicide. Maybe it was a setup for a suicide so his family could get life insurance. Let's dig into the details here a little more. One of his tooth that got knocked out by the bullet was wrapped in tissue and placed in his car. That was there. I guess I should have said that. His body was found by his car out in the middle of nowhere. Or, you know, out in the boonies. Gets shot in the back of the head. Tooth comes out. Some Somebody wrapped his tooth in a piece of tissue. Put it in his car. 
There was a pair of sunglasses in the car that weren't his. Now, that stuff could easily be mistaken. The wife could be like, he doesn't own those, but he may have bought them without her. But I don't think someone's going to shoot themselves in the back of the head and then be like, oh, a tooth. Put this for the tooth fairy. Put it in their own car and then collapse and die. So the working idea is someone else was there. But, but some other, there's more, this story's really weird. It's not like the last story, the Granger-Taylor story. It's pretty cut and dry. You think, okay, then this guy didn't kill himself. Somebody else did. That's cut and dry, right? Well, it still gets weird here. He had a $2 bill attached to his underwear. And probably that way, in case somebody took his wallet, the note would still be there. He had a $2 bill attached to his underwear that he was wearing, not like in a suitcase. It had a list of Spanish names on it and a Bible verse. It had Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8. And then there was a code next to it. He also had a map pinned to his underwear. Now, I'm imagining like a huge Rand McNally map like going from your <laughs> the waist to your knee. But it was probably just a little piece of paper. And the map was showing where he was at, like where he was going to. So it was most likely a map for him to get there. But actually, that doesn't make sense either, because then did he keep taking his pants off to see? He's like, okay, take a left, pulls his pants back up. So anyways, before his body was found, so he goes missing two months later, and there was a month between when he went missing again and when he was found, his wife gets a phone call from a woman who identified herself as Green Eyes. She said, Chuck is all right, and everything will be all right. Ecclesiastes 12, 1 through 8. Hangs up. So now it's really, really weird. The wife tells the police about what happened. And again, they don't know that he's dead at this point. They just have that phone call. The wife says, this woman called me. She said this. The woman then goes to the police. And the police have never revealed who Green Eyes is. But they know her. They met her. They talked to her. And police are like, okay. Yeah, the story story checks out. And the wife's like, well, who was that? And they're like, we're not going to tell you who Green Eyes is. So that means she's either a spook or or an informant. She's either a, like a, a CIA, FBI operative. Or she's a criminal informant. But anyway, so she... Just by saying Chuck is all... People get crank calls all the time when these crimes happen. A little kid goes missing. The parents will get calls and saying all sorts of wacky stuff. I'm a psychic or I killed her or whatever. They get tons of crank calls. But the fact that she mentioned the Bible verse that would later be found on his body shows that she knew something about it. He had a briefcase. Morgan had a briefcase full of money. He took it with him. Here's one of the theories that... So Charles Morgan, in his job, he worked in escrow. In Arizona, they have what's known as a blind trust. So you could have properties owned and nobody knew who owned them. But of course, that only goes up to a certain level in the government. So I want to be able to find out who owned this house. But the government needs to know who owns that house for tax purposes. And part of his job was knowing, being able to access who owned what. The idea was this, he found, he uncovered some sort of big scam or criminal scheme. He found information on people who were like buying houses and selling them or doing criminal activities in them or money laundering or whatever. He then began communicating with the FBI or local authorities to the point, and this is all stuff that's kind of been pieced together. This is kind of the working theory to the point that a contract, a hitman contract was put out on him. The theory is is that he drove out to this location. He ended up getting a briefcase full of money. 
And I don't believe the money was found at his body. I think that was gone as well. But people knew that he had a briefcase full of money. I may be wrong on that detail. They may have actually found the money, but I, I'm not for sure. And again, I have to leave like in an hour. So um, the theory is this, what he, what was going on? There was a hitman contract out for him. It, it was gaining like $5,000 a day. The contract was only getting bigger. He drove out to meet the hitman to pay him off to end the contract. And instead he got killed. Afterwards, his car was broken. His car was impounded. It was broken into. His office was ransacked. And two men showed up at his now just wife's house claiming to be FBI agents. And they ransacked the house. And she goes, I don't know if they are FBI agents. They just kind of flashed their badges. They came in, moved everything around. And that was it. So all of that being said, we have green eyes. We have the story of the hitman. We have him running into his house with the handcuffs. The bullet in the back of the head, the tooth placed in his car, the sunglasses that weren't his, a briefcase that may or may not have gone missing. The police, after all of that, cause of death, suicide. Car gets impounded and broken into. No, he killed himself. No one outside killed this guy. That was their official ruling. He committed suicide. Now, it's not impossible for you to shoot yourself in the back of the head, find your tooth fell out, put it in a piece of tissue and put it in your car. It's not impossible. It's unlikely, but that's what the cops ruled. It doesn't sound like a suicide to me at all. Sounds like one of those stories that just kind of the cops are like, ah, bizarre case, though. And as far as the police are concerned, it's been solved. It's been solved. You know, his behavior was weird before. Generally, if you commit suicide, you don't get life insurance for your family. I know some states are different with that. But if you're able to make it look like a murder or an accident, you can get life insurance. Well, we're going to end it like this. Let's take a real quick look at Ecclesiastes. I thought it was an interesting verse because it kind of speaks to the mind of somebody who may be at the end of their rope or maybe know that they're going to die very shortly. This is the this is the verse that was written on his $2 bill. The whole verse wasn't written there, but... Remember your creator in the days of your youth, before the days of trouble come and the years approach when you will say, I find no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, and the clouds return after the rain, when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men stoop, when the grinders cease because they are few, and those looking through the windows grow dim, when the doors to the street are closed and the sound of grinding fades, when people rise up at the sound of birds but all their songs grow faint, when people are afraid of heights and of dangers in the streets, when the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire is no longer stirred, then people go to their eternal home and mourners go about the streets. Remember him before the silver cord is severed and the golden bowl is broken, before the pitcher is shattered at the spring and the wheel broken at the well, and the dust returns to the ground it came from and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up on Facebook.com slash DeadRabbitRadio. Twitter is at Jason O. Carpenter. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. Mm-hmm.